but all of a sudden I was seeing everything in this contrast that had been presented to me in the Bible all through my senior year. You're going to live for yourself. Are you going to, uh, you know, use people if you have to, whatever, uh, just make sure you're happy, or are you going to live for God and live for eternal things? And uh, that contrast was very, very clear to me. And so uh, all the seeds that have been planted, all the prayers that have been prayed over my life, uh, from my mother especially, all through those high school years, junior high and high school years, and then into college, culminated one day when literally I was walking compulsively across the campus. I couldn't get to my my dormitory room fast enough really? to go inside the room, close the door behind me, put my hands up in the air, and I said, okay, Jesus, I give up. I see it. I wow. get it. I do not want to live this other mm. party on the weekend type thing and then uh, start all over again, waiting for the next weekend. I, I can see that's not where it's at. Wow. So that's when I really... Um, really connected in faith to Jesus Christ and trusted him as my savior and also purposed to follow him as my Lord. Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Today we have, uh, uh, I really consider a, a special treat. Uh, when I decided to, to start doing this podcast after Charlie and I talked about it, I had a um, a kind of a wish list of guests that I would want to have on, and this this guest was right at the top. Uh, his name is Sonny Westbrook, and those of you who were students back in the eighties, uh, you know you know who I'm talking about. Sonny was our director, and uh, and then he's been back as a guest speaker, and also has spoken at Thanksgiving conference on on a couple of occasions. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's just really. Exciting and a pleasure to have you here, Sonny. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Kelly, so much for the opportunity. Um, uh, certainly, yeah. We were uh, working. Our family business is in the in the, the building in the back of our property, and we were working yesterday. And uh, somebody that was my son-in-law, Tylen, said, "There's somebody in your backyard." And we turned around, <laughs> and looked out the window. This the Westbrook family. This was what a treat that was. Uh, so, I mean, I didn't really give you a chance to breathe. I walked outside, shook your hand, and asked if you would come on the podcast. Um, but so thanks for doing that. Sonny, yeah. uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, yeah, you, doing good. You look you look great. Yeah. You don't look like you've hardly changed at all since since, the, since well, you were the director here. Well, you're very gracious. I've hit my 75th year, so I'm... I'm uh, Coming down to the coming down the wire, but I'm doing well. Well, it's it's uh, that's great to hear, and it's good to see you. And you have your family here with you. Mm. Um, and now you're living in Spokane now, right? Yeah, yeah. that's our hometown. Okay, and you kind of have a, a a neat little setup there, don't you? We do. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, four years ago, we bought the house right next door to our daughter Julie and her husband Darren and their five kids, and right across the fence from our daughter Jenny and her husband Kevin um, and their three kids so we got eight grandkids that are in and out of our house every day we're loving it that sounds that sounds awesome now you mentioned yesterday that you have a there's a walking path between your place and and, (laughs) and the neighbors (laughs) yeah that's right we we have a beaten path between those those three houses that's a lot of traffic there that's great um i was just uh you know a lot of people who are listening uh, m- most of our listeners are alumni. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them know who you are. They've heard you teach. 
but I don't know how many have actually heard you explain how you came to know Christ. Mm. So I thought maybe we would start with that and yeah. just see where the conversation goes. Sure. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up, where, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was born in Butte, Montana. So, uh, that was my birthplace. I don't think we lived in Butte very long. My, uh, uh, father moved the family to Thompson Falls, Montana when I was preschool age. Okay. And, um, and uh, he had a job with the state of Montana. He got injured. It was a logging job. And mm. and so uh, they offered to retrain him, and that took us to the Moeller Barber College in Spokane, Washington. Okay. And so from second grade on, I le- Spokane has been my home, my okay. hometown. And my wife, Judy, was born and raised in Spokane. So, um, you know, we've gone to college, graduate schools, and in and out. Uh, we were in Texas for nine years. Uh, but uh, Spokane has always been the home place we've gone back to. Yeah, okay. So uh, was it a large family that you grew up in? I grew up in a family of uh, five children, four sisters. Wow. Yeah, two older, two younger. So I was right in the middle. I used to say, I think that's why I'm so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, was it a a Christian, Christian family? You know, the, the good news in our family was our mother. Okay. She came to the Lord when, again, when I was preschool age, uh, there in Thompson Falls, Montana. And, uh, and from the moment she really understood and trusted Christ, she was a Christ follower. Mm. And so she lived uh, for her children. She lived for Christ. The tough part in our family history was that my father was an alcoholic and he struggled with that uh, up until the last 10 years of his life. Uh, which means about 15 years into the marriage mm. with my mother mm. uh, before that marriage was on the rocks. Uh, but um, but even, you know, in those 15 years, my mother saw to it that we got to Sunday schools and and uh, she was, you know, really doing all that she could to really direct us toward the Lord. Mm. Uh, but we did have a divided home because okay. we weren't getting any encouragement from my father's side. And so... Uh, by the time I was in junior high school, I kind of followed suit with my two older sisters and decided that Sunday school and church was kind of boring. And so we hassled my mother out of making us go. And then I just got caught up in all the teenage stuff. You know, for me, it was um, sports and uh, my school, uh, um, student government and girls. Okay. And that's kind of the track I was on in high school. But I, uh, you know, my testimony, I usually say my mom kept praying for us as kids every day of her life. And because my mom kept praying, God was always assigning somebody to my case. Mm. So it seemed like there was always somebody somewhere that was pursuing me for Christ. Mm. And so um, that's kind of the family of origin uh, situation. I would say under heaven, I owe more to my godly mother than to any other person. Okay. Because she planted so many seeds. She watered the seeds with her prayers. And I'm convinced that God really moved because of that. Mm. There was a key youth pastor, though, in the church that we attended off and on. Um, And uh, his strategy was to move with the movers. So he would get the kids that were the most motivated spiritually, and he'd invest his life with them. Okay. But I was an exception. I was not 
of yeah. uh, moving. <laughs> and but he still had me on his heart and was calling, you know, regularly uh, to go to the high school, you know, bash after the football game. All of these would have been Christian gatherings. Right. And um, I developed standard excuses to give to him as to why I was not available for the for the next event. So that, uh, but he he became a very key figure because he kept he kept in touch. Okay. So um, anyway, uh, uh, that's a little bit about my family. I can tell you more about that story with that youth pastor uh, as we go along, if you like. Sure. Yeah. Okay. It, it, does he play a part in you coming to know Christ? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Go ahead and tell okay. us. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, you know, I had two real good buddies uh, in high school, and every year we were kind of doing something different, like in the summer times. Mm-hmm. So one summer, it was we're going to go out and just get these radical tans. We we're going to lay in the sun. They were going to put suntan lotion that's got iodine in it. We're going to be brown. <laughs> <laughs> I think every teenager goes through that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was that one summer. My senior year of high school though we decided we we're going to go hunting hunting was going to be the thing okay so i bought a british 303 rifle uh, which was a world war ii a weapon okay and uh, the ammunition and um and the license of course before i realized there's only about five weekends of hunting season i mean it's just a short season hmm. and in those days i don't i'm not up with it right now so i don't know what they are but uh it's a short season and I was the inexperienced person. I had not done any hunting at all. So I wanted to go with somebody that knew what they were doing. And uh, each week as the weekend came, which had been the hunting time, when my buddy who knew about hunting could go hunting, I was tied up. I couldn't go. Mm-hmm. As, and so it went like that. went until there was one weekend left, and he couldn't go, and I was going to be out. The expense of a rifle, the expense of ammunition, the expense of the license. Ouch. And guess who called me on the phone? The youth pastor. Okay. And guess what he wanted to do? It, Take me hunting. Really? Really. <laughs> it was a complete setup. It was, oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't really want to go with him because yeah. I figured he's going to try to make me get become a part of this youth group he's so excited about. Uh, but I really wanted to go hunting. Sure. And I mean, I had all this invested in it. So... Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I said, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, I'll go, yeah, let's go hunting. And so we went up to a place he knew really well. It was actually a church camp that had 40 acres in the woods, too. And since he was a youth pastor, he had access to the Jeep and everything. And we got this Jeep and went out through the woods, you know, doing some hunting. And uh, what happened, though, in the course of the weekend is that all my defenses were coming down. He wasn't hitting me over the head with the Bible. Okay. He was just just a real man's man and Mm -hmm. and uh um you know actually you know i had that absent father wound in my life anyway and he was somebody that i began to really look up to just in the course of those days together and um i would say at the time uh, his name is art branson and i I would say at the time art was about 40 years old but he was committed to youth okay so um you know he was a very mature man and a very very Christ loving man. He mm-hmm. loved Jesus Christ. And that's what uh, started really coming through uh, as, as we were together up there. I kept thinking, though, he's going to probably really want me to join the group or something. He never said anything about it. All we did was pray the night before, get up the next morning, and go do a little more hunting. Uh, 
We never got anything, but on our way home, he said, you know, Sonny, I've been wanting to have a Bible study by every high school in the city, and I've got one at the Southside High School. I've got one out in the Valley High School, but I don't have anything on the North Side because he knew I went to Shadle Park High School, which is a North Side High School. And so I said, well, my defenses are completely down. I said, well, maybe you could have one at our house. <laughs> because <laughs> just we, came out of your mouth. It right? did. It did. It did. And honestly, the temperature in my head rose several degrees <laughs> right after those words came out of my I mouth. Bet. It did. I thought, oh, no, what did I just do? Mm-hmm. He said, well, do you think your mom would mind? Well, I've already told you about my yeah. mother. I mean, she. I, I said, I don't think so. So I was kind of hoping he'd forget. By the time we got home, he gets to the front door of our house. He said, do you think I'd call, come in and talk to your mom right now about that Bible study? I said, well, you probably could. <laughs> <laughs> so for every every week of my senior year of high school, and especially initially, I was trapped in a Bible oh study my in my wow. own home with a God-loving, Christ-loving man mm. who also was very committed to youth. Mm. And... Uh, he would, uh, you know, he, he was giving an, a, a big picture view of the scriptures from Old Testament to New Testament. Um, but he was also showing that Christ is the message of the Bible. Mm. And he also was, was continually putting out there, you have a choice to make. Basically, are you going to live for yourself? You're going to live for just temporary things. Are you going to get connected with the God who made you? And then uh, live for his glory, mm. live for his honor. That was Art Branson. Wow. And uh, so the message was real clear, but I was still hanging on to this thing of, I wanted to be free. I didn't want to become just a church person. Just uh, I wanted to be free to do whatever I wanted to do. So I, I played the game the whole senior year okay. at the Bible studies. You know, he'd have us pray around the circle. I remember rehearsing these prayers. Oh, really? Yeah, ahead of time so that they would, you know, sound pretty good. Yeah. And But the heart surrender wasn't there. If somebody had asked me if I was a Christian, I would have said yes. Okay. I had gone forward as a little boy a time or two, and if anybody said, you believe in Jesus, I would have said yes. But there definitely was not a heart surrender to him, a, okay. a real faith surrender to him. And so... That whole senior year came and went like that. Then I went off to the first year of college, got involved in the same social rat race I had been involved in in high school, the first semester. Okay. Got it, you know, joined a fraternity. But all of a sudden, I was seeing everything in this contrast that had been presented to me in the Bible all through my senior year. You're going to live for yourself. Are you going to, uh, you know, use people if you have to, whatever. Uh, just make sure you're happy or you're going to live for God mm. and live for eternal things. And uh, that contrast was very, very clear to me. Mm. And so uh, all the seeds that have been planted, all the prayers that had been prayed over my life uh, from my mother, especially all through those high school years, junior high and high school years, and then into college culminated one day when literally I was walking compulsively across the campus i couldn't get to my my dormitory room fast enough really to go inside the room close the door behind me put my hands up in the air and i said okay jesus 
I give up. I see it. I wow. get it. I do not want to live this other mm. party on the weekend type thing. And then um, start all over again, waiting for the next weekend. I, I can see that's not where it's at. Wow. So that's when I really, um, really connected in faith to Jesus Christ and trusted him as my Savior and also purposed to follow him as my Lord. And um, I count that as the day when my, my new birth really took place. Okay. So it was, um, it was a, a, a complete turning point. And then subsequent to that, I got real active in the, what was then the Campus Crusade for Christ okay. group on campus yeah. and um we were known by the by the um, non-christians on the campus we were known as the campus god squad <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> but we we wore the badge with honor people thought you know they were having some fun so oh, look out here comes the campus god squad <laughs> we stuffed their mailboxes with tracks we brought the new folk which was a campus crusade group to the campus um, and, um, most of us went to Arrowhead Springs for training and evangelism and okay. so on. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, really became part of a real vibrant student led, uh, group that was nurtured from a distance by Campus Crusade. Okay. And now you were not, your major had nothing to do with the vocational ministry though, right? When I was a, an undergraduate, I majored um, in history actually, and then also minored in education. Okay. So I took all the education courses necessary to become a secondary school teacher, high okay. school teacher. But by the time I was in my junior year, I determined that that was a foundation for further training. And so I took two years of seminary after that. Okay. After. Now, you said it was in college that you met Judy, right? It was during my college years, actually. Um, I, I met Judy first at the same camp where I went on that hunting trip. Oh, really? And okay. uh, because the first um, summer of uh, after my conversion, what I would call my conversion, mm -hmm. um the pastor of my home church invited me to be an intern on the summer staff. Okay. And they owned and operated a, a Christian camp. And so for that whole summer during the week, I was up at the camp and on the weekends I was fill in for Sunday school teachers. And we had a college university business uh, group that I was in charge of. And I was a whirlwind of activity. Sounds like it. But yeah. Judy came up and was up to the camp for a couple of weeks just as a volunteer up there. And uh, I had kind of sworn off the whole girl thing for a while. Okay. It had been so important to me when I was younger. I thought, hey, it's going to be me and Jesus, and I don't know if I got time for a girlfriend. But I thought, you know, when I saw Judy, I thought, if I ever do get interested again, I think I'd like a girl just like that. Okay. That's interesting. Because <laughs> she was sold out. Okay. She, she, I could see her investing in the campers. She mm. wasn't chasing boys. Mm really very pretty and attractive mm. the only thing was is that i i heard by the rumor mill that she was interested in another young man and i thought well uh, that's you know when i get interested i'd like a girl like that so by the next summer when i was on the staff again as an intern the other guy had gone bye-bye and uh, somebody else was starting to move in on judy and uh, i thought you know I think I better let her know I'm interested. Okay. And so that started our 
our romance and you know started out as a brother and sister in Christ mm-hmm. serving the Lord and and then through the course of the next couple of years it really became clear that God intended us to be together and how long have y'all been married we'll be 53 years this August wow yeah and four kids four kids yeah yeah, yeah. Two, two boys two girls that's right yeah and uh and uh now uh, you know 14 grandchildren so wow that's great that's great yeah that is neat so okay so you graduated from college and then you, did you go straight to seminary went straight to seminary a first year at talbot seminary which is in california there the graduate school of biola okay and judy had graduated from biola so she was in her senior year when i was in my first year of seminary okay so we were both in school both working that was a wild ride ride that first year Okay. And then the second year, I desired to go to Trinity Divinity School in Deerfield because they had a much larger offering of, of majors and a larger offering of professors from different backgrounds. Okay. And it appealed to me to go there. So I went took the second year in Deerfield, Illinois. Okay. Yeah. And so you did the two years mm-hmm. seminary. Then, then what did you do? Well, actually, then, uh, you know... Um, an individual that had been on the staff of the church where I served as a summer intern, he knew that I was a certified teacher. Okay. Uh, and uh, he's, a, he's a real visionary kind of guy. So he writes me a letter when I'm my second year of seminary. I'm intending to k- take at least one more year of seminary because I needed that to finish the degree. But he writes to me and he uh, basically uh, was somebody I greatly respected but in the letter, he said, Sonny, I've really been praying about this. I am the superintendent of a Christian school here, as you probably know, in Spokane now, left the church and took that position. And he said, I really believe that God wants you to come here and help me with this school for a couple of years. Okay. You could serve as a chaplain. You can serve as a Bible teacher to the senior class of the school. And uh, and I just, every time I pray about this, you, co- you come to mind. And so I really... I just feel like it's God's God's doing. So when I read the letter, I kind of laughed out loud to Judy. I said, Judy, uh, Earl Mortlock knows God's will <laughs> for my life. He Good said, guy for, to know. <laughs> for, for our lives, he says, God wants us to come back to Spokane before I finish seminary. So I wrote him back and said, you know, I don't think so, but because it's you and all, I will pray about this. And mm-hmm. I sincerely did pray about it. And in the course of the next few months, it was just amazing how, uh, you know, my heart turned. And he said, well, just come and help me for a couple of years then go back and finish seminary. And I had a couple of seminary brothers saying, Sonny, don't do it because you'll never come back. And I said, well, if I do do it, I'm gonna, I would only commit for two years and then I'll come back. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so I did. I, I felt... My heart had changed. Uh, I had been in school, you know, for six years straight. And he appealed to me on that basis. He said, it'd be good for you to get a break. You're not really sure. Still a little bit on what course you're taking because it's seminary. Um, the straight pastoral course or or um, other options that they had at Trinity. So this would give you a little more time. And so anyway, I felt real confirmed in, going, in doing that. Mm. So Judy and I went back to our hometown of Spokane and... Um, uh, fulfilled those two years i worked an extra sales job in the summertime um to say to start saving money to go back to seminary in the spring of that year the man that had wrote to me 
had written to me about this opportunity stopped me in the hall when in the spring of the second year when I was gonna not going to be there the next year. And he said, Sonny, the Lord has been speaking to me <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he said, there's a group of pastors, and I knew every one of them. They were from evangelical churches there in Spokane. And by then I was acquainted with them. I knew who they were. We all would like to start a Bible school here in Spokane because we don't have one. And then initially it would be a... Um, uh, sort of a branch campus of Multnomah School of the Bible, which sure. was in Portland. Yeah. And they'd already made contacts, and Multnomah was interested. But they needed somebody to really spearhead that effort. And they asked Earl Mortlock, because he was a real visionary, get you know get things going kind of guy. Right. And he said, Sonny, they've asked me to do this, and uh, but it's late, it's spring of the year. And I wouldn't feel free to take this and do this next year unless you are free to take my role as an acting superintendent of the school for this one year while I get the Bible school started, and then we'll see where we go from there. Okay. So uh, I uh, thought about it in the hall. He talked me in the hall of the school, and I said, I'll do it. Wow. And then I went home and talked to Judy. And she, <laughs> this is when I was still very young. <laughs> That's not what you would have taught me. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't consult with her on that. I, I'm, I'm just surprised that I didn't, but I didn't. Because, uh, you know, it just, it was just something I felt like I couldn't say no to. That, you know, they wanted to start a Bible school yeah. in Spokane. And I was, he used these words, you're our fleece. Hmm. I will do this if you'll take the school. Hmm. Well, they ended up being the superintendent of that school for seven years. Really? So I never made it back to seminary. Okay. I finished a master's degree in educational administration from Whitworth University okay. in the seven years that I was at that Christian school. But um, the same man, Art Branson, who had pursued me for the Lord, was <clears throat> greatly impacted by Ian Thomas's ministry. Okay. So I remember early in my Christian life going out for a weekend camping trip with Art Branson and another brother, and the whole weekend we listened to Major Thomas tapes. Okay. And I thought, Major Thomas. So I got the books. I got John Hunter's books as a college student. Okay. Yeah. I was reading these um, books and liking it and then looked at what the little bio on the, on the book about the organization that these men were involved with. So... Um, I, I got real interested in Cape Henry, real interested in torchbearers because my heart really warmed to the message. Again, mm -hmm. it was a Christ-centered message that mm -hmm. Christ is, yes, our Savior. Uh, he is also our very life. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, so... Yeah, I, I, I've always been amazed, the opportunities that I've had to speak in different places, how people respond to the message of Christ being your life. And mm -hmm. they don't always understand what it is they're responding to. They just know that this resonates with them. Yeah, that's and, the way it was with me. Yeah, because it's what we were created for. Exactly. You know, his yeah. very life in us. Right, yeah. And, and it just, yeah. it's just amazing to me, you know, how, how many times I've heard people, you know, say that. You know, they've read a book, you know, one of the Torchbearer books or, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and, and yeah. it just does resonate. Now, with me, it I was 
thick headed, you know, I, it, <laughs> it resonated, yeah. but it took years and years yeah. before the Lord was able to, yeah. to debroker program, get some things out of the way. Well, and that was true for me too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I really warmed to the message and, and in a sense felt really identified with them. And part of it was because of the man that nurtured me as well. Yeah. Uh, because he, this is what he had entered into, to life in Christ. And, um, and you, you, you couldn't be around him without that message as well as that testimony and the difference Christ makes in a life when you have that, that relationship. So I was really drawn to him, but I was also drawn to Christ in him. Uh, but it took a while, too, for the shade to come up fully and, right. you know, for the truth to really sink down. And that's a part of my story, too. Yeah, go ahead. But, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway... Uh, uh, during those college years, uh, and and even into uh, seminary, uh, and and then when I was at the Christian school for seven years, um, Major Thomas came to Spokane to, oh, really? sp- to speak. Okay, so he had a week of meetings, and you know it was usually he'd have one in the day and then one at night, every night of the week, mm-hmm. and I went to every one of them, mm-hmm. and um, he happened to to be invited by my wife's parents to a dinner at their home uh, my wife judy grew up in a family of 10 kids and um, they all had a huge table to eat around and they invited major thomas to come out because uh, they were going to the meetings as well for okay. a dinner and he accepted the invitation yeah and he came out and and so while he was out there he invited judy's brother uh, paul to um uh, keep learning his typing skills. He was about 12 years old or 13 yeah. years old at the time. And he said, you keep working on your typing skills and everything. And by the time you graduate from high school, then you go to Cabern Ray Hall for a year and then you can travel the world with me for a whole year. Wow. And that all took place during my years at that Christian school. Okay. Paul grew up. Paul went to Cabern Ray Hall. Paul traveled with Major for a whole year. And every time they were anywhere close to Spokane... They'd kind of pop in so Paul could see his family, but Major was also with him. So two or three times, I got some personal time with Major Thomas. That's great. Yeah. And that's how I got personally acquainted okay. with him. It was through uh, through that connection. So uh, uh, just to backtrack my story a bit, though, when I was in that God Squad group yeah. on the college campus, um, one of the things I had determined before I really surrendered my life was if I do this, I do not want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to, you know, say I'm serious about Christ and then live like the world. Right. Cause I seen quite a bit of that even just growing up. Right. And so I was really, I was trying very hard to be the Christian I'd become. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, Leading people to Christ, open your life to Christ, invite to Christ, come into your life, he'll come into your life. I still was trying to do for him what he alone could do for me. Mm-hmm. If I would, by faith, keep letting him do it, yeah. letting him into every facet of my life. And so so I was struggling, but I wasn't telling anybody about the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time I got to my senior year, I was getting kind of desperate about this. Um, uh, I was a member of a God squad and I know what the Bible, I was studying the Bible a lot, a lot. And I saw God wants us to love 
your, all of your brothers and sisters as Christ has loved you. That's a command. There were some people in the God Squad, I was having a tough time with that. Okay. I kind of wish they weren't in the God Squad. And yet then my heart would condemn me. I'd say, oh, I'm sorry, Lord, I shouldn't be thinking that way. I shouldn't be looking at these people that way. You want me to love them? Okay, okay, I'm going to work on that. Um, even in those years, you know, there was a lot of immorality in the, on the college campus. Mm-hmm. You know, in, um, pornography was up here and there, and, okay. and all of that stuff was there. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to just look straight ahead, you know, stay right on with the Lord. I wanted, didn't want to think impure thoughts. Well, I found myself thinking impure thoughts. Mm-hmm. I said, Lord, okay, I'm going to take that on. I'll try to. I try to get the victory over that. Well, you know, when you start chasing all these different things down, yeah. trying to get the victory in all these different areas, it gets real tiring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, so by the time I was a senior, I uh, would end my day every day with this prayer, Lord, I'm sorry. I know I failed you today in so many different ways. But Lord, I'm doing the best I can. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) So deal with it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So I was, you know, I was going to bed, sleep like that. Yeah. And uh, senior year, I was the senior resident of the freshman dorm, which means I was responsible. I had other resident assistants, but I was the senior resident of the freshman dorm. So I was supposed to keep all those freshmen somewhat in line. You know, they couldn't be blaring their boom boxes and, you know, and they can't be drinking in the dorm. And there was all kinds of things that I was there to maintain that. But I also had a nice room to myself and I also had keys to the place. So I decided I'd go back to my dormitory on that uh, Christmas of my senior year vacation. Nobody goes back to their dormitory on Christmas vacation. So nobody was there right. except for me. I had the keys. I got into the dorm, got into my room, said, okay, Lord. Had a jug, a jug of orange juice and a loaf of bread. I said, Lord, I'm going to just stay in this room here until you show me something from your word that'll help me with my Christian life. I'm tired. Mm. And mind you, I'd heard the solution for a number of times. I'd read it in books, but just like we were talking earlier, the realization of it hadn't just, I hadn't got a real, the realization of it right. in, in actuality. This is true. This is the secret. It's an open secret. It's the biblical secret. It's Christ in you. So in my college dormitory room, I was down on my knees. I'd get up off my knees and open the Bible and try to read the Bible. Say, show me something from your word that's going to make a difference. Get back on my knees. Um, Friday came and went like that. Saturday came and went like that. Sunday came and almost went like that. I was down on my knees, started to get up again, and then all of a sudden I got more determined than I'd ever been before. I said, Lord, I'm not going to get off my knees until you change me. And so there I was. I was sitting on my knees. I said, you know, I can die in a pile right here. They just carry my body out. And I, those are the words I said to the Lord, and I meant it. Wow. I said, you know, I know I don't want to live with the world. I've seen enough of it. I saw even the results of it with my own father, some of the way this this stuff works out. And I do believe in you, Jesus, and I want to live for your glory. I just am not really getting it together right. And I don't know how long I was there, but the overwhelming realization that came to me was, Sonny, you do not believe that I live in your body. Mm. And it wasn't, I didn't hear the voice. 
there, but the thought came just that, just that clear yeah. and just that powerful. And I got up off on my knees and sat there and said, Westbrook, well, how could you, this is it. You should know mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. You should know this. I went around and stood in front of the little mirror in my little private room and talked to myself in the mirror. Jesus lives inside of you. Mm. And so, you know, some of the things that I learned later through my, uh, the relationship with Major Thomas, John Hunter, and others, that basically what I was trying to do was I was trying to do for him what he alone could do in me if I would open all those areas to him and yeah. keep opening them day by day. It's a walk. It's a step-by-step -step walk with him. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging his presence, saying, Lord, I can't conquer this myself. This is what's happening. And just his entering into that context sets you free. Mm. That's what the Bible teaches. Right. The New Testament teaches it very clearly. Yeah. That we, we could not do because of the weakness of the flesh. God sent his son who came to indwell us by his spirit to put down that old nature and that whole law of sin yeah. in our members. Yeah, Romans 8. And Romans 8, yeah. And so that was that was a radical realization. Mm. And... Um, yeah, uh, so, you know, from that time on, um, whenever I got that feeling like, I don't know what's wrong with me, um, the feeling like, I, I think I should just quit. Immediately I knew what the, I knew what the problem was. I'm taking that back again. Yeah. I'm trying to do for him what he alone can do in right. me and for me and with me and through me. So Lord, I want to let you do it. Mm. And, uh, and that's, uh, you know, that, that took place when I was 22 years old. I'm 75 now. So 53 years ago. Wow. And it's been a great adventure. It wow. really is. I was about the same age when I came to the same realization. Mm -hmm. I had been through his hill. You mm -hmm. were my director there. Yeah. And I'd been through Bible college. Yeah. And, uh, th then, you know, the same, same, uh, very familiar Mm -hmm. story you know yeah. it, it was really resonating with me mm -hmm. you know you, you're saying that you wanted to walk that straight path you didn't mm -hmm. want to, and the things you didn't want to do were the very things that were captivating to you mm -hmm. at the end of our podcast every episode we, we we want to encourage the listener to keep your eyes fixed on jesus amen and you know from hebrews chapter 12 amen and you know i in teaching through hebrews you know that's that that's like a climax to the book for me Mm -hmm. Because this is, you know, I've had students come to me, you know, begging me, tell me how to know this rest. I want to know the rest, mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter three and four. Yeah. And, you know, we get to, we get to chapter 11 and you tell them, well, this is how it's by faith. faith yeah. And I've seen people just be just so deflated by that mm -hmm. until you start to study chapter 11 and realize that faith mm -hmm. is uh, it, it's a confidence in christ it is absolutely and then hebrews 12 says now fix your eyes on jesus uh -huh. and i have come to realize that in my own life whatever has my attention mm -hmm. has me exactly and whatever has me has become my lord mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. you know we're either going to serve Mm -hmm. the, you know, these other things are, we're going to serve Christ. We're right. going to serve ourselves, or we're going to serve Christ. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I appreciate just the way you so clearly articulate the way you articulated that in mm -hmm. that, you know, you, you came to realize that Jesus lives in you. Mm -hmm. And, and so your, your fixation, your, you know, your, 
your your desire is to be toward the one who indwells you, not, Amen. not yeah. trying to be like him, but, right. but your desire is him. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah. And again, you know, uh, he's such a, a beautiful, magnificent focus for our lives. Yeah. He's, he's everything our hearts long for. Yeah. And it's, he's everything we want to be. Right. Uh, and he also, uh, what ex- was excluded from his life is everything you want excluded from yours. Right. Right. So he's the, he's the perfect focus of our life. And, and as we've said, that's why he created us. That's how he created us. Yeah. So that he would be the completer yeah. of our lives. Yeah. His, his image. Exactly. Yeah. yeah right. Um, yeah. Now you've mentioned Major Thomas a couple of times. And for any new listeners, just so you understand who we're talking about, Major Thomas is the founder of Torchbearers Ministry, of which his hill is a member of. Mm-hmm. And so Sonny met Major as a young man, and it was very influential in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonny, how did you end up coming to his hill? Yeah, well, that's a that's a yeah, it's a fascinating thing too. It was definitely a God thing. Um, I was staying in touch with Major during those years when I was uh, the superintendent of this Christian school. Yeah, I guess you could say I was bugging him. Okay, once or twice a year, I was writing him a letter saying I really. I really would love to be a part of the torchbearer ministry oh, okay. somewhere in the world. Okay. <laughs> somewhere in the world yeah. if you got a place for me. And so he happened to come back to Spokane um, another year. And so I got with him. I wanted some personal time with him. And again, I was, I was thinking I just would really like to be a part of that organization. Plus I was coming to the realization that, being a superintendent of a Christian school, uh, it was a lot of administration work that I wasn't that interested in. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so it wasn't the right placement, I don't think, gifting for me. And uh, everything I have heard about the Cape Henry schools, it all sounded like a place where I could really be a pastor, I could be a discipler, and my involvement would be with, you know, nurturing other believers mm-hmm. rather than administering the programs of the school. And so anyway, I got with the major, I talked with him and he gave me one of his famous lines. He said, well, Sonny, I learned a long time ago that in order to stay spiritually alive, you've got to be organizationally dead. Okay. He said, he said, I'm not here to serve the, the torchbearer organization. You're not in the Christian school to, to serve the Christian school organization. You're there to do the will of God. Mm. So whatever God is directing you to do, get on with the job right where you are. Mm. He said, I have people all the time talking to me about joining torchbearers. I don't, I don't, you know, he said, he said, get hooked up to Christ and get excited about what he's doing right now, where you are. It was a little bit of an abrupt yeah. uh, conversation. He didn't have a, <laughs> he didn't have a habit of doing that. Well, <laughs> yeah. 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 So I thought, well, okay. Okay. I think, yeah, I'll process this. I'll, uh, so uh, I went away from that that uh, meeting, and I thought, okay, well, what has God really laid on my heart to do? He's telling me, do it right where you are. Well, it's to invest in people's lives. And you think your job description is to do all of this administrative stuff. Get somebody else who will do a lot of this and do what God's leading you to do. Mm. So my whole view of what I was doing changed. Okay. And I started, I was calling kids into the office and they thought they were in trouble. I said, you're not in any trouble at all. I just want some time with you. I think you got great leadership potential. 
you know, I was challenging them and nurturing them okay. and personally discipling them. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, and I was calling teachers. I was talking mm-hmm. to teachers in a private way, in a personal way, not just the professional stuff. And I was starting to feel real engaged in what I was doing. Mm. And then I got a letter from Major Thomas. And what had happened is, and this is really, you know, what happened is that he had sent everybody else he could think of that had been aligned with torchbearers <laughs> to his hill to take this spot that was open as the director of his hill. And if I mentioned some of these names, you'd know them, and uh-huh. none of them felt led to take it. Okay. And there was this guy that had been hounding him for <laughs> several years about becoming a part of Torchbearer. So he, he, he uh, wrote me a letter. Mm-hmm. And invited me to come down to his hill. It was actually, I think, a Thanksgiving time. He was here. Okay. He and Mrs. Thomas were here. And uh, so he wanted me to come down here, and he wanted me to speak uh, at one of the sessions. And then he was also wanted to explore with me the possibility of becoming the acting director for a year. Mm-hmm. He said his son Mark would come from Ravencrest, show me the ropes for a year before Mark would go and direct Cape Henry Hall. And then Chris was going to move over to direct Ravencrest. Right. And so that was the way it looked like it was going to work out. Well, it was so interesting because I'd become pretty excited about what I was doing okay. in the Christian school. Uh-huh. It was a kind of a whole new approach. And uh, so I uh, he had me speak at one time. And it's the only time I can remember when I completely, almost completely lost my voice. Oh, really? <laughs> I said, I think there must have been some frogs in that swimming pool because they, they crawled <laughs> right down my throat. And I was just, I thought, he's not going to want me to do this. But anyway, I shared with him some of my testimony uh-huh. and wove it into my message. After that, just before the day I was going to go back to Spokane, he said, I feel free to invite you to come. Oh, wow. Okay. And I said, well, I told him this story. I said, you know, I, I need to pray about it. I need to talk with Judy about it. And he said, well, you do whatever you need to do. We don't hire anybody really. God just sends them and God just provides them. Mm. So, but it was interesting when I got on the plane to go back to Spokane, I felt like I was leaving home. I was leaving the hill country. I was leaving and I felt like I'm leaving home, not going home. Mm. I, in other words, wow. I felt a real heart pull here to to be at at his hill and so uh, we did uh, that was all confirmed and that plan unfolded like like he stated uh, mark was here for the first year as the director i was assistant to learn the ropes and uh, and then um, i served in this role here uh, for six years before um, taking a position at uh, wayside chapel in San Antonio. San Antonio. Yeah. And it was during that time that I was a student. I was a camper and a student. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I rem- So you came in 1980. So mm-hmm. just five years after Torchbearer started at His Hill. Mm-hmm. And or His Hill started with Torchbearer. Yeah. And, um, and then I, I, Arlene and I were students, 84, 85. Mm-hmm. And that's when we got to know you. And it, just listening to you explain how your heart had changed in being an administrator in the school really... Mm-hmm helps me understand some things with how you were toward us as mm-hmm. students, because really of, of all, and I, I've had a number of teachers that I thought were really good teachers, but I don't think 
anyone had as much impact outside of the classroom mm-hmm. as much as you did. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think, you know, you're describing really, you know, what, what you know, where that came from, mm-hmm. you know, was just understanding that, uh, that this, you know, the, this is what the Lord's worked in your heart. So that's, that mm-hmm. was your desire to be plugged into people. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I remember, I remember just a big decision having to make and going mm. to you every day about it. And, <laughs> and you would never give me an answer. I remember mm. that you would just listen to me and encourage me to Christ mm. you know, and, and just, you know, mm. you would never give me an answer. And I just kept, you know, thinking, man, give me an answer. <laughs> but it was really the best thing because the, the Lord worked that in mm-hmm. my heart. I remember coming to you after um, realizing what the Lord would have me do. And you were just so excited and, and affirming with it. And, mm-hmm. and, and, um, you know, I've always appreciated that too. Mm. So you were you were at his hill as the director for the six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it exactly six years, or was it all a little more than that? It might have been a little more. You know, okay. a few months more than six years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you then you like you said went down to San Antonio Wayside Chapel. And mm-hmm. You were an associate pastor there, right? Right. How long were you there? Well, we were there three years, or close to right around three years. Okay. Yeah, and then my mother's health conditions actually changed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I felt led to go back to Spokane where I could be close enough to help her to walk through those health issues that she. Right. Um, and so that's what took me back there. And I ended up pastoring at South Hill Bible Church there for 18 years. Right. And now I'm completing 15 years at the Union Gospel Mission. Has it been that long? It's been 15 years this August. I can't believe that. Well, tell us what you do there. Well, uh, my my current role is I am the UGM staff chaplain, so I'm available. We have around 200 staff people with the different varied um, departments of the ministry, uh, because we have three women and children's uh, centers, a men's center. Okay. We have the enterprises, which is three thrift stores, uh, a UGM Motors, where people donate cars, and and we employ the people that come out of our recovery programs and all of these enterprises. So it all fits together. It's been, you know, really um, uh, well supported by the Christian community in the whole Spokane region. Okay. And as you know, the issues of homelessness and all of that are very much in the news. Right. And and so uh, we're giving people Jesus Christ in the midst of also helping them in their journey to recovery. Okay. Which, uh, you know, Christ is the absolute solution right. to the human problem, whatever it is. And so we're so thankful that that's what we do. It's evangelism, mm-hmm. discipleship is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, but I was assisting the director there for the first years, and now I'm semi-retired, uh, just on on an on-call uh, basis as far as staff um, being a, a counselor to the staff, and then also I teach two classes a week: one to the men's recovery program, and one to the women's recovery program, okay. and the subject that I teach is my favorite one, Jesus. Mm. You know, I I appreciate (laughs) you you saying it like that too. You know, when I remember one time at his Hill going through staff training for summer camp and uh, it was my job to explain the main thrust of our Mm. ministry. So I get up in front of the summer staff and I start to explain this. And and one of the, one of the young men that was going to be a counselor got upset. And, you know, to his credit, he was really concerned about the the low-income campers that we were going to have, the scholarship campers. Mm-hmm. And he he kind of went off a little bit, and he says, 
you know, as I'm explaining, you know, main mm-hmm. thrust, you know, mm-hmm. you know, is that, you know, it, it's Jesus Christ, period. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what we want our campers to mm-hmm. hear and to Amen. see. And, and he said, well, what are we going to do with these poor kids that show up, don't even have a toothbrush or a change of clothes? That's all fine that we're going to be mm-hmm. preaching, but now, mm-hmm. what are we going to do with this? And I remember mm-hmm. the Lord just gave me the words. I looked at mm-hmm. him and I said, well, we're going to give them Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if that means giving them toothpaste, we'll give them toothpaste. Mm-hmm. Clothing, we'll give them clothing. Amen. If they need an arm Amen. around them, then we'll put them Amen. Arm around Amen. them. Amen. And that, and I remember him just kind of sitting mm-hmm. back, yeah. hanging his head yeah. down because yeah. I think that made sense too. Yeah. Amen. And I think we we lose that as mm-hmm. believers. We mm-hmm. lose that. You yeah. know the 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 peripheral mm-hmm. becomes the the main thing. Yeah. Right. And, and, yeah. and only, yeah. you know, and, and we're seeing it as a family in our family business mm-hmm. that, you know, if mm-hmm. only if we are seeking Christ mm-hmm. and in fellowship with him, mm-hmm. will the business actually mean anything? Right. You know, and, and, and you know, we're seeing how the Lord's using even mm-hmm. business yes. you know, to, to communicate. Yeah, it's a platform. Himself. It's a bridge. Yeah. It's a bridge. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Well, Sonny, it is such a treat. <laughs> to to sit get down and ha- to sit down and have some time with yeah, you. you know, we've yeah. just been sitting in this room for fifty one minutes, yeah. and just having a talk. Uh, yeah. And you know, I don't think I've had one on one time with you since nineteen eighty five. Wow! And so, yeah, well, thank this, you so much, Kelly, for this opportunity. Well, uh, well, you're welcome. And yeah. uh, you know, anytime you're back down here or I happen to be in Spokane, I'd love to do it again. Oh yeah, and let's just do. keep the conversation sure. going. You bet. All right. Well, Sonny, thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the His Hill Podcast, featuring our host, Kelly Doherty, along with Sonny Westbrook, a past director of His Hill. It is always a joy to hear from previous staff members and see the many ways God has worked in their lives before and after the Hill. We hope Sonny's telling of his walk with the Lord was a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are wrapping up the last few days of staff training and will begin our first week of scholarship camp this coming Sunday. Our summer staff is ecstatic about the start of camp and it has been amazing to watch this group prepare for the summer months ahead. Please keep our summer staff and incoming campers in your prayers that their hearts would be softened to absorb His will and that everything we do this summer will be done for the glory of God. Thanks for joining us this week for another episode of the His Hill Podcast. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ, alumni, and be encouraged. He is for you. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.